There's an ancient Christian saying, I'm sure you've heard me say it before, God became man so that man might become God. God became man so that man might become God. That's attributed to St. Athanasius um, in his classic, On the Incarnation. It's a great Christian classic. I encourage you to read it. He wrote it during the 4th century. It's still very accessible. A lot of times the early Christian writings are easier to understand than the later Christian writings because they didn't think they were too smart for themselves back then and they spoke more plainly. And he spoke very plainly about the Incarnation in the 4th century. It was his response to Arianism. Arianism was that heresy that denied the Incarnation. You see, the Arians were Christians who believed in in Christ. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Savior. They believed that he was very much like God, but they just denied that he was the same as God, that he himself was divine. And so St. Athanasius, along with many others, successfully defended the tradition of the apostles and the teaching of sacred scripture that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, which is to say he is God incarnate in the flesh. Why am I talking about the incarnation on the Feast of the Ascension? We tend to think of the incarnation as associated with the beginning of Jesus' life on earth. We associate it with the Annunciation, when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Or we think about it at Christmas time, when we celebrate his nativity and his birth of the Virgin Mary. But the incarnation encompasses the whole reality of God made flesh. Not just Jesus' birth, but his earthly ministry, his passion and death and resurrection. And it includes what we celebrate today, his ascension into heaven. And I think reflecting on the meaning of the ascension can help us to better understand what St. Athanasius meant by saying, God became man, that man might become God because it focuses our attention on the reason for the incarnation. God became man so that man might become God. What does that mean? What it means is that God didn't come down from heaven on a sightseeing trip. He wasn't taking a vacation from heaven. He came down from heaven on a rescue mission. He came down from heaven with a purpose, and that purpose was to bring us back to heaven with him. God became man. That took place when the Son of God was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. God took human nature to himself. Why would he do that? So that man might become God. It's the second part of that statement. Forty days after he rose from the dead, Jesus Christ, true God and true man, ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he did not leave humanity behind when he did this. The human nature that God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, assumed to himself when he became incarnate, ascended to heaven with him. And that means means human nature is now part of the blessed Trinity. The blessed Trinity, the life of God. Human nature is part of that. 
That's mind-blowing. That's a, that's a union with God that not even the highest angels enjoy. And that's God's gift to us. And it's a gift that he makes to us personally. And that's important. That's important. Because you might be listening, and if you're following along so far, thinking, well, that all sounds really great. That sounds really incredible that God has joined human nature to the divine nature, and now humanity is part of the Trinity, and that's, that's wonderful if you're Jesus, who is both fully God and fully man. That's wonderful for Jesus. But how does that help me grow closer to God? How does that help me that Christ took human nature into heaven? I'll tell you. When Christ ascended into heaven, he did so as the head of a body. He is the head of a body. And we call that body the church. You and I are members of that body. And where the head goes, the body follows. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I am, you also will be. And this is why the church teaches that Christ is necessary for salvation. There's no other way to ascend to heaven. As St. Paul says, the one who descended, that is Jesus, the one who descended is also the one who ascended. Only the one who descended from heaven ascends back to heaven. So if we want to get to heaven, if we want to ascend to where Jesus is, we need to become part of that body that ascended. We have to become part of Christ. And that's the role of the church. That's why he left us the church. The whole point of the church is to make us one with Christ. That's why the church is here. We have to understand, the church is not a club for people who really like Jesus. That's not what the church is about, right? It's not like any human institution. The church is the continuation of the incarnation of God in space and time. It's the continuation of God's presence here with us. It is the body of Christ. St. Paul speaks very plainly about this. When he's talking about the baptized, he says, now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. And each one of those parts of the body has a role to play. In our readings today, St. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, he says, some are apostles and some are prophets and some are evangelists and some are pastors or teachers. The body has many different parts. But each member of the body receives certain gifts for, I'll quote, building up the body of Christ until all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the extent of the full stature of Christ. The full stature of Christ. God God has come into the world in Christ. But the full stature of Christ, that's something that we're still moving towards. That's something that the church is, is pointing towards. The head of the body, Jesus, he reigns in heaven with God the Father. And the saints in heaven, they share in that reign already with him. But part of the body of Christ is still here on earth. And it's still growing. It's still growing. It's still attracting members to itself. And it will do so until 
Christ has grown to full stature. That's what St. Paul is talking about. And you and I and every member of the body has a role to play in that. We have a role to play in growing the body. That's why, you know, before he ascended, the disciples asked him a question. They asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to do it? Is it, is it now? Is it now, Lord? Because they've been following him the whole time. And they had seen him perform miracles. And they had seen him crucified. And they had seen him risen from the dead. And there was no doubt in their mind, this is the one. This is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's going to restore the kingdom. He's fulfilled all of the prophecies, all of the signs. And so they asked him, are you going to do it now? Are you going to do it now? Listen to how Jesus answers that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say, I'm going to do it. He says, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. But really, it is Christ doing it. Because we're members of his body. We are part of Christ. We are part of the Messiah. He's working in us and through us to continue that ongoing ministry of reconciling man to God, which is what the kingdom is all about. He is restoring the kingdom right now through us, members of his body, the church. You see, Christ did ascend into heaven. That's what we celebrate today. But that doesn't mean he's not still present here. He's actually present here in a much more profound way. And that's why Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. He told them, it's better for you that I go. Because now, Christ is present not only in the single human body of Jesus, but he's present in the body of the church that's spread throughout the whole world in every person that's been reborn in baptism, in every person who's received the Holy Spirit in confirmation, in every person that's been nourished by the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. We celebrated First Holy Communion for the children of our parish yesterday, and when Father was preaching to them, he reminded them of the words of St. Therese of Lisieux and, and how she remembered her First Holy Communion, and she wrote about it as a fusion. She said it was like a fusion when she received communion because now she and Jesus were one person, she said. That's the reality of the sacraments. That's what the church does for us. Christ is present in the hearts and minds of all those who love him. And he wants to be present in the hearts and minds of all of those who have yet to receive the good news. That means we have a job to do. When the disciples were watching Jesus ascend into heaven, that's why the angels caught their attention, called them away and said, why are you standing there looking up in the sky? Look around. Look forward. The world is out there waiting to receive that message of salvation that only the church can offer. Only the church can offer. The church does a lot of things. The church is engaged in a lot of things. But the thing that makes the church unique is only we can offer that message of salvation. Only we can unite people to Christ in this way. And so we have to go out to the whole world 
and proclaim the gospel to every creature in Judea, in Samaria, in Greece, in Rome, in Silva, in Colloe, until the body of Christ has grown to full stature and Christ is truly all in all.